Welcome. This is Elizabeth Spring at North Node Astrology. And today I'm going to ask you to take a look at your birth chart as we're going to see who's sitting around this conference table. I'm going to simplify what your signs, houses, planets, and aspects are. This is based on my book, Lifting the Veil, Becoming Your Own Best Astrologer, which is available in paperback, Kindle, and Audible on Amazon.com. And, of course, if you want to know how to set up a personal reading, go to ElizabethSpring.com. So, come along with me as we explore your chart. Hello, everyone. Today we're going to be looking at the basic vocabulary of astrology, houses, planets, signs, and aspects. So let's begin. This is also, this is taken from my book, Lifting the Veil, Becoming Your Own Best Astrologer. So if you take a look at your birth chart, you'll see that it looks like a circle divided into 12 sections. I like to imagine this circle as being like a conference table with all the planets sitting around the table. The planets are parts of who you are. They're like your inner voices, your sub-personalities, or your inner family, each sitting in their respective sections or houses around the table. They are like an inner committee within you, and sometimes it can be hard to separate their voices and to know which part of you is really speaking. So who's at the conference table? All the planets are there, and your sun sign, your ego identity, is the chairperson of the board. We all need a strong ego and a strong sun to be able to navigate our way in the world. And the sun is the one who is strong enough to create order and not let chaos rule, the head of the committee. When we are on a spiritual path, though, and speak of becoming less ego-driven, it's more about the sun being too strong or arrogant and becoming a dictator over the rest of the chart. So all parts of the chart, all parts of ourself, all the planets must be able to express their true nature. Look at your chart. The lines in the center of the chart are the aspects, and they are like the invisible conversation that is going on between these planets that make up your inner self, your family constellation of inner people. These aspect lines of communication do many things. They make alliances called conjunctions when they are next to each other within a couple of degrees. Most astrologers will say that they're conjunct each other, even if they are separated by an orb or a distance of up to 10 degrees. And the squares in your chart, well, they square off to each other and they irritate or they motivate you. Or you have trines, those are the little triangles, and they are each in support and agreement with each other. Or they oppose each other. Those are the oppositions. Or stimulate each other, the sextiles, which look like stars. Think of it this way. You have planets, signs, houses, aspects, and the nodes. You can see that each planet has a sign next to it, which describes it. 
This sign is like a series of adjectives to describe the planet, the subpersonality. The number next to the planet and sign is what is used to determine the aspects or the communication lines. Now, in each house or section of the conference table is a planet or a node, and you are neither blessed nor cursed by the arrangements that they make. I'm often asked about this. If you have no planets in a house, does that is that bad? No, it's not. Um, it means, in a sense, that you are less influenced there. So you actually have more freedom in that area of your life the area that the house represents. Conversely, lots of planets in a house, and you are therefore more influenced by those planets because each planet lobbies for its own cause. Now, it's interesting too, if you look at the chart, you'll notice that the circle of the chart is divided in half. And if you have more planets on the top half of the chart, you tend towards extroversion or being out in the world more. And if you have more planets in the bottom half of the chart, there can be a tendency for introversion. Some astrologers also say that if you look at the up-down division of the chart into a right and left side, uh, and if you have more planets on the left side, you tend to have more free will than if you have more planets on the right side where you are conditioned more by others. I haven't found this to be particularly true. The only thing I have found to be very true is that planets in the 12th house, which we'll explain later, tend to be harder to access and to express, as this is the section, the house of the chart, that rules the deep psyche of the unconscious. In fact, I call it the house that Carl Jung built because he dealt with that area of the deep psyche and the unconscious. Okay, now you're asking, what is a house? Think of it this way. It's where the action is. It's what we're talking about. It's the area of your life that is in consideration. So there are 12 houses or sections and they're... um, And they're all divided up into these 12 sections. The first house starts at the ascendant, which is also known as the rising sign. And it is where nine o'clock would be on a wall clock. And these houses proceed counterclockwise. So the next second house would start at eight o'clock and then all the way around till we get to the last house, which is between 10 and 9 o'clock on your chart. That's the 12th house. So the rising sign is at the position of 9. The nadir, or IC, is the bottom of the chart at 6. The descendant is at 3. The midheaven is at 12. Each house covers a sphere of your life. Okay. Now, what's a planet? A planet is what we are talking about. It's like a noun in that it stands for something. It's not a a simple noun like the word book, but more like a complex noun that has many meanings, like the word love. Each planet has a meaning that is supported by 
ancient mythologies of the Greek gods, and each planet has both a higher octave of expression and a lower octave of expression. Think of the planet as what we are talking about. It's a symbol, an archetype, and a noun with many meanings. We can simplify it by saying that if it's about the planet Venus, we're talking about your relationship style and relates to the feminine side of yourself, male or female. If it's Mars, it's your assertive side and style. But as you'll see below when I keep talking, each planet has a multitude of connotations. And the more you know what the planets represent, the better. So here is a brief explanation of them, okay? The sun. As we said, it's your ego, your personality, your core values, and what energizes you. The sun is the hero or heroine in your life journey. The moon is your emotional nature, feelings about your mother, mothering and nurturance. When you're in alignment with it, then it's what makes you feel good or not good. When you're not in alignment, you can be moody or loony. Mercury is your communication style, bridging barriers between people and your curiosity. It's even your sense of mischief. It's also known as Hermes and the trickster. Venus is your style of relating to others and how you find and understand beauty. It's your ability to attain serenity and trust. You need to own it. You don't want to project this on a partner. It's interesting that in a man's chart, Venus often suggests what uh, the sign he'd like in a woman. Uh, those qualities, whereas Mars, uh, being the male assertiveness or your inner warrior, again, you same thing, you need to own it. If you're in a relationship, don't project this on your partner. So in a woman's chart, the sign of her Mars often suggests what she'd like in a man. Jupiter, your optimism, sense of expansiveness, where you're lucky, and graced. It also relates to teaching, storytelling, and abundance. Saturn, the old malefic that isn't seen that way anymore, but is your sense of reality and what you need to do to maintain stability and become successful in your life. It can describe your father and authority figures. Saturn energy can slow you down or depress you until you're ready to make the constructive changes Saturn wants. Uranus, or Uranus, is your ability to be a rebel, to do something different, and to change the status quo in your life. It can bring chaos, anxiety, excitement, and positive change. Neptune is your sense of spacious spirituality, inspiration, and boundarylessness. It's part of your ability to bring your head and heart together. It can also manifest as a lack of clarity, fogginess, addictions, and confusion. And Pluto, your ability to regenerate yourself and start anew. It's also where you're holding your unconscious wounds, fear, 
shame, rage, envy. As we age and grow, the wound of Pluto becomes our strong part. Pluto gives wealth and power, as well as taking away what isn't necessary for our life's journey. Now, what's a sign? A sign is an adjective to describe a planet. The signs of Aries, Taurus, Gemini, and so forth are all descriptions of the planets or the sun, moon, or rising sign. The sign that sits next to a planet describes it. So if we're talking about your planet Mars being in the sign of Virgo and you want to know more about it, we think of the adjective, the Virgo adjective, skillful. So the assertive planet Mars wants to be skillful in Virgo. Some sign astrology horoscopes focus only on the sign that your sun is in. But the sun only tells part of the story. What about your moon, your rising sign, and, and the sign of all the other planets? It's all a part of you. Although I do like to think of the sun sign as being the chairperson of the committee that controls the chart. So I'm not denying its importance. The sun holds the story of your journey, as do the nodes. But it doesn't tell you that much about what else is happening in the rest of your chart. For example, if the planet Pluto speaks to both what is wounded in in your psyche and powerful, uh, whereas the planet Jupiter speaks to the area of your life and where you are gifted and lucky in, well, you need to look at all these planets with their descriptive signs to understand yourself and who you are. So here are the meanings of the signs in brief. And also, I'm going to give you a a table of archetypes that my mentor, Stephen Forrest, writes about in his book, The Inner Sky. You can find um, these in there and also in my book, Lifting the Veil, Becoming Your Own Best Astrologer. Okay, Aries. The warrior, the pioneer the survivor, the one searching for their courage. Taurus, the earth spirit, musician, the silent one. Gemini, the witness, the teacher, the journalist, the bridge builder. Cancer, the mother, the healer, the invisible man or woman. Leo, the king or queen, the performer, the child, and the aristocrat. Virgo, the perfectionist, the analyst, the servant, the skillful one. Libra, the artist, the lover, the peacemaker. Scorpio, the detective, the hypnotist, the secret one. Sagittarius, the student, the gypsy, the philosopher. Capricorn, the father, the manager, entrepreneur, the hermit. Aquarius, the truth speaker, the exile, the genius, the revolutionary. Pisces, the poet, the dreamer, mystic, artist. Because astrology can be confusing at times, using these symbolic archetypes 
can be an easy way to link the primal triad of a person's sun, moon, and ascendant into a meaningful sentence. The sun tells you who he is, the moon describes something of his soul, and the rising sign uh, represents the mask or the persona that the person shows to the world, which is also their way of operating. So here's an example. Say the person has their sun in Aries, their moon in Aquarius, and Cancer is rising on the ascendant. Look to the archetypes for each sign, and they can be mixed and matched in any way because they're all true. But pick the ones that intuitively feel right for you. So with this this combination, you could say that this person is in some ways a pioneer and a survivor. That's the Aries moon who has the soul of a truth speaker, Aquarius moon, and who wears the mask of the mother, Cancer rising. You could also say that this person is a spiritual warrior with the soul of an exile, wearing the mask of the invisible man or woman. See how you can pick out of each group what intuitively feels right? Consider the person's age, gender, and all the intuitive hits you get about this person to help you pick the right adjectives. This gives you an instant thumbnail, sketch to start a reading with, or simply another way to learn and amplify the meanings of the signs. Now, what's an aspect? These are the lines in the middle of your chart. This is the conversation that's happening at the conference table. All the numbers you see on your chart create the aspects or dynamics between the planets. As mentioned before, if two planets are next to each other within a few degrees or conjunct each other, they combine and merge their energies, making them strong in an alliance. Whereas if two planets are square, they're 90 degrees apart, and there's a challenging tension between them. If two planets are opposite each other, the tension challenge tends to come from an outside situation or other people. These oppositions are always 180 degrees apart. If two planets are trying to each other, you see a little triangle there in the center of your chart, that means that they are 120 degrees apart. And that's a positive flow of energy between the two, a bit of grace. And there is the sextile of 60 degrees separation, which acts as stimulation and easeful flow. And is like a trine, but it's, it's milder. I sometimes say with a sextile, you have to be the person that picks up the phone and makes the important phone call rather than waiting for it to come to you. Whereas in a trine, sometimes they just call. Anyway, if you think of the chart as a committee meeting, it's interesting to think about which inner planet or archetypal energy has taken up too much time talking and pushing their personal agenda. Is it Saturn slowing everything down and demanding both more time and more work? Or is it Neptune who is bored with all the talk and simply wants to walk on the beach and forget the dirty house or rent bills? Or is Venus hungry for a relationship? Planets are stronger when they are in conjunction or in strong aspect to each other. 
and when they are visited by a transiting planet. We're going to talk more on the transiting planets in the next podcast. Now, you'll also see, if you're looking at your chart now, that the outside of the circle at the edge, or what we call the cusp of each section or house, is a sign. That sign is going to inform and influence all the goings-on in that house. And we each have all the planets and all the signs somewhere in our chart. It's only the arrangements that are different. We don't all have every aspect. Some people will have no oppositions or trines or conjunctions or sextiles, and it doesn't really matter. These aspects just describe more of what the planet's agenda is, and some planets will simply stand alone. Again, it's not a problem. This circular mandala of your chart with all the planets, signs, numbers, and aspect lines is based on your particular birth time, day, place, and year of your birth. The hypothesis that underlines the chart is that it's based on the theory of reincarnation, which implies that your soul picked the time and place to be born in order to grow from certain experiences, in order to grow from this particular chart. Now this is an oversimplified explanation, I know it, And no matter how you say it, I believe that the whole process itself is truly a mysterious one. But we'll continue more with this in the next podcast uh, with with some of these astrology basics, including understand transits and progressions, which is the way astrologers and the way you can move the chart and Look backward and forward in time. That is why people call for an astrology reading. They want to know more about what the climate, what the transit is that's coming up for them. So anyway, thanks for listening with me today. Um, If you want to support these podcasts and want me to know that there's a listener out there, I'd love it if you press subscribe. And if you want more uh, information or want to know how to set up a reading with me, uh, you can go to elizabethspring.com. Okay, bye for now. Mm